The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Greedy! Greedy? <laughs> All right Yes, sir. It is finally here. Game week. Game freaking week. You are locked in with all eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. We have a special guest from USA Today Sports Media Group's theravenswire.com to talk about the big matchup. Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern at M&T Bank Stadium as the Browns will kick off their season. We'll talk all about the matchup with Matthew. He's fantastic. It's a great interview. We'll talk about Earl Thomas. We'll talk about the new additions to the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. I wrote a piece today about how to slow down Lamar Jackson. He'll comment on my three keys to doing so. Uh, We will talk about Kareem Hunt's new deal and so much more about this weekend as the NFL gets underway just 24 hours from right now with the Chiefs and Texans. It's finally here. You start getting excited. Oh, baby, I didn't know if we would make it, but we made it. All eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Mikey on the ones and twos. We are jacked tonight. Week one, just around the corner. Seriously time for you to start getting excited. All eyes on Cleveland can be listened to where all popular podcasts are found including iTunes and Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com, TuneIn app, all of the above. Anywhere you can listen to a podcast, it is there. You can go to the webpage where we will publish the show. The webpage is fantastic. It's new. It's got a voicemail button where you are free to leave us a question or a comment whenever you want. But it's got all the episodes, it's got all the information you need on the show. All eyes on Cleveland.com. Go check it out. Leave us a review. It's much appreciated. I noticed that some of you have been doing this, and uh, I greatly appreciate the few moments that it takes. Good, bad, ugly. I just want to know how you feel. Want to do this job better every time we come out and put out a show. So tell us how you really feel. We appreciate it. This is a show, All Eyes in Cleveland, where we talk with the most intriguing personnel across the country and in Cleveland about the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Browns tonight. We will do just that with Matthew Stevens of the Ravens Wire. But first, I want to talk to you about something. I want to talk to you about Thrive Fantasy App. 
It's a DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports app, where you can go and place your bets on prop bets. Instead of making a lineup and going up against the pros who enter 150 different iterations of lineups and clean up, you can go for football and take a look at 15 actual prop bets from Vegas, pick 10 of them, and win. Use the promo code EYES, E-Y-E-Z, when you sign up today, and you will receive not only, not just the $20 bonus that we've been giving out weeks prior, but now, until Sunday, they will match your deposit up to $250 at Thrive Fantasy App. Use the promo code EYES, E-Y-E-Z, as in all eyes on Cleveland. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store by visiting... Uh, or go to uh, www.thrivefantasy.com, sign up, and prop up today. It's legit. It's for real, though. Like, you get more points if it, if it's a plus, you know, if, if it's a, a less, um, if you're betting on the side of the underdog or uh, the less likely outcome, you get more points for that prop bet. So, like, tonight, if I took... Uh, Jalen Brown to score over 30 points, uh, which probably would have been less likely uh, than I would have won on that prop bet, collected a good amount of points, and then I would have had, you know, my select other four prop bets that I picked. If I hit them all, boom, I'm, I'm, I'm winning some money. I mean, it's guaranteed cash, cash payouts, boom. Much easier to win than at uh, DraftKings and all those other places like that uh, that have, uh, you know, the pros that play, you know, not just 150 lamps, but some of them across all platforms, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a night. I mean, you just they just flood the system with lineups. Um, this is uh, a way to get around that and get in on the action and win cold, hard cash. Right, Mikey? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mikey. Mikey is so pumped. I am so pumped. I am ready for football. Uh, first, let's get to the interview tonight. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Kareem Hunt deal. We'll talk about the injuries, status of the Browns before week one. We'll talk about OBJ just for a moment. I have a, just a couple comments uh, on, you know, that's this topic. It, it pisses me off. And then um, who's on the call? We'll talk about that. And then uh, I've got my week one picks, and we'll rattle those off. We won't take long. We won't keep you here all night. We want to get you the interview. This is a great interview. with uh, He covers the uh, the Ravens at ravenswire.com, uh, just like I covered Browns at brownswire.com. He's the managing editor, though, over there. Uh, very successful and fantastic writer, uh, Matthew Stevens, USA Today Sports Media Group's managing editor at ravenswire.com. Here he is with the interview talking about the big matchup Sunday at 1 p.m. And I am thrilled to welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland this evening. Uh, he is the managing editor of USA Today Sports Media Group's The Ravens Wire. His name is Matthew Stevens. How are we doing tonight, Matt? I'm doing fantastic. Exciting to to get real football back on the field and get a chance to see these guys actually uh, hit one another again. Matt, 24 hours from right now, we will have uh, NFL football. 
hopefully knock on something, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Any, any uh, disaster. But uh, thanks for coming on the show. We're excited, obviously, uh, to get the Brown season underway and uh, wanted to get you on and talk a little matchup as you cover uh, the Ravens for uh, USA Today's sports media groups, the Ravens Wire. Uh, you do a lot of writing, uh, and uh, um, I uh, am a fan of your work, so uh, it's great to have you on. I appreciate that, and again, I always love being on these things, so uh, yeah. it's, it's exciting, man. Absolutely. All right, so no fans at M&T Bank uh, tomorrow. What's that going to be like? Do you know what they're doing at the stadium as far as sound? Uh, from what I understand, I mean, they're going to go with what the league has kind of dictated on that. So, you know, some piped in music, but or some, excuse me, piped in fan noise. But really, that's going to, you know, stop about 10, 15 seconds before uh, the, the, the right. play clock. So, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting experience to see, uh, you know, what an empty stadium both sounds like, uh, what what it will ultimately mean for the players themselves and, and um you know, how surreal it will be to kind of just see those guys kind of lapping it up uh, in a stadium that doesn't have a single person in it. Very strange, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so, now, do they have plans at all? I don't know if you would have any idea. Do they have plans at all uh, to have fans at all in, in Baltimore this year? Is that is this being revisited at any point this year, or is that just done for the season? No fans. So they've kind of walked it back a few times now, and the latest thing that the Ravens have said is that uh, for the initial part, and I'm using finger quotes here, uh, of the season, it keeps it about as open-ended as it possibly can be. I know Baltimore really wants to have fans yeah. in the stands. Who doesn't? Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, it, it's a, I think it's a government official issue rather than their desire one way or another. So I, I think they're hoping to, as the season goes on, maybe things kind of re- regress a little bit and it gets a little bit easier to get people into the stadium. Um, but I think the last number that, that I saw from Baltimore that they were proposing was like 7,000 fans or something like that. So 10% of the stadium is going to be full, even if we get fans in the stands at all this season. Um, again, that was their latest number. It, it'll un- undoubtedly be revisited uh, later on down the line as as the the pandemic figures out a course. Hey, we got six thousand. We can put in there six thousand. <laughs> wow. So we'll see what that looks like too. Um, any, if you're anything about so like the NBA bubble did it perfect, right? Like it feels like it's a, like it's like a to- real stadium, like. I heard a couple times the mention of virtual fans. You think we can get some virtual fans in there? There will be some cardboard cutouts. Uh, I know okay. that's been talked about. So they're having people. Um, I think it's like sixty five dollars, and you can have a cardboard cutout for your, yourself in the uh, yeah. stands the entire season. So an exciting little little moment there. If uh, maybe you didn't feel like getting to a game or weren't able to, to afford to get to a game, 65 bucks for an entire season. That's not bad tickets. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I think largely speaking, they're just going to pipe in noise and then try to have cardboard cutouts doing their thing. Okay. Um, and, and we'll see exactly how that kind of plays out from that sense. But uh, I, I know they still plan on, at least by the, the stadium practice that they had, kind of simulate a real game. They, they still had the video boards going. They still had things kind of rocking and rolling, uh, just like everybody was supposed to be there. So yeah. uh, it, it should be as close to a real game feeling as possible. 
uh, just minus actual movement from from fans. Yeah, it's my understanding they have like a uh, a certain decibel level they can't like go over right in certain situations. I think it's pretty detailed the layout of the the way they can handle the sound. So that'll be weird. I think so that there's no like competitive advantage. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Uh, it should be interesting, certainly. All right, so uh, let's move on past that nonsense now, uh, since <laughs> we really have no no idea what to expect there. Uh, so the game is at one o'clock uh, on uh, CBS. I I just wrote down who's calling the game: Charles Davis, Ian Eagle, somebody else. Uh, but yeah, so that's the crew or whatever. Uh, Charles Davis. Uh, in I Eagle, I think that's like their second best crew, so that's pretty good for the Browns uh, Ravens game. Um, so last year, the two teams split. Uh, the last uh, game the Ravens lost in the regular season was to the Browns. Then they absolutely went on a tear, unlike uh, many have seen in a long time, uh, to go fourteen and two, and. Uh, destroy the NFL in the process, but uh, that 40-25 to 25 Browns win uh, was their last regular season loss, and the Browns had a, uh, a good day running the football. Um, this was one of the things I think that uh, Eric DaCosta wanted to shore, shore up, right, uh, in the offseason, and he, and he has. What have they done here defensively uh, to kind of uh, change their run defense? Well, first and foremost, they, they went out and made a trade for Calais Campbell from Jacksonville, yes. uh, paid a fifth-round pick for him, so that was a steal of a deal if you're Baltimore. Uh, they also tried to add in Michael Brockers. A deal ended up falling through. They didn't like his ankle, reportedly, uh, so they kind of nixed that deal and then ended up bringing in Derek Wolf from the Denver Broncos in, in free agency. Uh, so so that's kind of their, their main pieces there. Uh, as well as they went ahead and, and further kind of revamped their defensive line throughout the, the uh, 2020 NFL draft. Justin mm-hmm. Matabuke and Broderick Washington Jr. were added in uh, as rookies. We'll see exactly how much playing time they get early this season. But uh, Patrick Queen, the first-round pick, linebacker out of LSU, they're really hoping, you know, th- that's the third linebacker, inside linebacker, that Baltimore's drafted in the first round. The last two guys, C.J. Mosley and Ray Lewis. That is a heck of a legacy to live up to, and Baltimore's hoping that wow. uh, you know Patrick Queen can kind of play that type of a role as a uh, to help stop the, the stretch runs, to help kind of scrape things down. He has that speed, so they're kind of hoping all those things mixed together with you know j- just being uh, another another season with this unit. Largely speaking, most of the starters returned from last year, and toward the end of the season, they were really really good against the run, albeit against. The, the Cleveland Browns, and albeit against uh, the, the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, they were pretty stout, everything considered. So they're kind yeah. of hoping that another year of that, with a few additions, really kind of makes this unit uh, into a, something pretty fearsome. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to pick out a lot of places to improve when you go 14-2, and two, to be honest. So, <laughs> uh, but, but that was... That was one. I mean, it did end their season, and it was you know what what I what we saw. You know, we saw Chubb kind of have a field day, uh, so uh, that was uh, something I wanted to bring up. Obviously, they they have a, a good run defense already, uh, 
but an area that they uh, went out and improved on, certainly aggressively, uh, with uh, Calais Campbell, obviously, and then Derek Wolf, as you mentioned. Uh, so they are seven and a half point favorites, which is a monster line here for week one. You know, it's it's going to be tough. What what do you expect in in week one around the NFL, um, Matt? I mean, like, do you slept, expect really sloppy football for the most part? I do for the most part. I mean, you're talking about a ramp up period for training camp. You're talking about no OTAs, at least in person. You're talking about. Uh, you know, e- even when guys were able to get on the field for training camp uh, and able to go ahead and hit, you know, th- there was still a lot of stuff hanging over top of their head, really, as the teams just tried to get back to square one, things they probably would have done more in OTAs. So, you know, I'm expecting a lot of players just to be really rusty to begin this season, uh, maybe healthier than they have been uh, in years, obviously, as guys yeah. haven't been getting as dinged up in, in practice. But, uh, you know, y- you can't replicate those reps in any other situation you know preseason i know people bash on it for not being as great as the regular season uh but at least it's a live game against a different team uh you know baltimore no team got that obviously this season so uh i i fully expect just some really sloppy football some some weird errors uh from everybody involved and and hopefully it tightens up over the course of the season but uh it it will be that's a, a huge storyline i think for for the nfl in in week one just how tight the the play is yeah absolutely and and with that line is justified certainly as the ravens are pretty much regarded uh matt as the best or most complete roster in the nfl to, to for many people for many of the people that i've spoken to and and listened to they think this is the best roster in the nfl and they come up against a Browns team who, once again, has a new coaching staff, a new offense, a new defense, a new OC, a new DC, and they didn't have any time to really, I mean, they just finished installs like a week ago, right? And uh, so there, there's a huge disadvantage there, but already they were playing maybe the best team in the NFL. So are we going to see, what, I mean, what, what do you expect to see? How rough is this going to be? <laughs> Uh, do you mean, do you expect the Ravens to blow the doors off here? Um, do you think the Browns can play with them? Do your impressions of, uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention, your impressions of Kevin Stefanski, kind of that whole, you know, that whole ball there. What do you think's going on here in Cleveland? Well, with, with Cleveland, it, it's an interesting situation. I mean, you mentioned a, another head coach and, and there seemed to be kind of just that like sigh that I hear from Cleveland fans every single year, which is, it's another guy Hopefully this is the you know it comes with a certain amount of hope obviously is like maybe this is the guy yes. that finally gets everything rolling but you know after so many I, I can understand from a fan base perspective of like yeah what's the chances um, so I, you know I, I think it's going to be interesting I, I've I've said for years now I think Cleveland really is one of the most talented rosters they've just never had a coach that are able to press the right buttons at the right time. And, you know, also to a certain degree, I think Cleveland's built like a fantasy football team, uh, which is great. That's fantastic. But, you know, in the locker room, those things have to gel together. You have to get guys on the same page. And that doesn't necessarily always work out in real life compared to, you know, in Madden or something like that. So uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what Cleveland's able to do this season with a new head coach. And I I like Stefanski. I I think he's a guy that's, you know, it seems to be able to motivate the, this group. He seems to to be 
quieter than maybe previous head coaches, which it, I think is a bonus for for Cleveland. You know, a guy who isn't going to be out there making a ton of headlines is just putting in the yeah. grind, doing the work, doing what he needs to do in order to be a successful coach. Uh, hopefully that's the case, man. I'd, I'd really like to see this division have four teams legitimately fighting for a playoff spot. It just makes better football for everyone. Um, but as far as, you know, the seven and a half point spread and what I expect out of this game, you know, you, you hinted at it with the, uh, you know, maybe disparity from a new head coach trying to implement a new system from offense and defense and trying to get everybody on the same page versus Baltimore, who, you know, returning almost all of their starters, returning exactly. every one of their coaches, that is going to make a difference, I think. At least it no should coach. on paper. But when you when you talk about AFC North teams, man, I, what works on paper and what makes sense never plays out in real yeah. life. You yeah. know, I, I wouldn't have pegged them to, to blow out Baltimore in week four, yet that's exactly what happened. So uh, it's tough. It's tough in this division. It is. It is. It's, it'll be interesting to see how ready they are. Um, certainly I expect the Ravens to be ready. Now that brings me to some questions. So this, uh, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland and with our very special guest tonight, Matthew Stevens, managing editor of USA Today, Sports Media Group's The Ravens Wire as we get ready for week one of the NFL season, finally. Um, and uh, so we have like we had like Browns Live, right? Did you guys have like a Ravens live sort of look at training camp where you could watch <laughs> some of it at all? Yeah, there there were some things there, but uh, I don't know how the maybe the Browns differ from from Baltimore on this. Um, largely speaking, I mean, what you're seeing is kind of useless. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's like basic position drills. Guys are walking through stuff because that's just what you do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not, not a whole lot on that front, uh, but but tons of reports coming out of training camp for sure. Yeah, and and the angle was god-awful because they didn't want to, like, give away <laughs> anything. So, you you know, yeah. you would see, like, a play, but you don't really know what happened. You just saw a guy catch a ball, and that's about it. So, yeah, yeah that, exactly. But, but I watched it, and I tried to watch a lot of them from around the league because the main thing that I was trying to decipher, Matt, is, like, and it's been kind of an argument on local radio here is is how tough of a training camp because the Browns got hit with the injury bug hard. Uh, yeah. Grant Delpit, Mac Wilson, a couple young guys they really were depending on, right? Um, and then then got really dinged up, and they, they are getting healthy at the right time as they are getting just about everybody back here for week one. Uh, but they lost, you know, their slot corner, Kevin Johnson. They brought in free agency. He's not going to be there in week one with a lacerated liver, uh, all kinds of stuff. So, but they really only had one. I mean, they had, so they had like live sessions where they would hit, but they didn't tackle to the ground, right? They had one live session in the stadium probably, I think, last Sunday where they tackled to the ground. And this has been a, a hot topic here on the radio. Like, did they, you know, really go soft just because of that's the situation they were in with the injuries and, you know, the limited amount of time to get ready? But around the league, I saw much of the same. Uh, so I wanted to get your thought. So Ravens-wise, do you know how much they, how many, like, how often they, like, went full go tackle to the ground sessions? 
I know they, just like the Browns, I know they had definitely one uh, where, where they kind of went all out and, again, simulated what a real game is going to be like, including tackling all the way down to the ground. Um, but from what I understood and, and from what I saw, that was it. They, they had one real practice of that. Now, that being said, as John Harbaugh has, over the last few years especially, really preached, let's be smart here. We don't yeah. necessarily do a lot, need to do a lot of these things. So for Baltimore, it's kind of a continuation of what they've done, maybe a little bit more so being cautious. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it appears to be that way across the league, it's, it seems at the very least. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought. So the the, the argument to me was kind of moot because I'm like, hey, that's what everybody's doing right now. Everybody's being really careful. Let's not hurt each other, right? Let's get to week one and see what happens. So uh, so that that's kind of refreshing to hear on my end. Now, a lot different for the Ravens and the Browns. I get that uh, totally because the Ravens' continuity and the lack thereof for the Browns. But certainly it, kind of good to hear that they weren't, uh, you know, going full go every day and they <laughs> and uh, the Browns weren't uh were playing flag football the entire time so um yeah so uh Matt um let's uh move on here let's see what I make sure I covered all my topics here before I Mikey gets rid of this for me okay um so let's talk about injuries while we're on that Justin uh I'm going to try to say this properly. Matabuke, right? Did I say that Yes, right? yes. Yep. Uh, is he going to play for the uh, in week one here? I know he was an injury concern for the Ravens. I, I seriously doubt it. I mean, even if he isn't listed as out officially on the injury report uh, come the end of the week, you know, he hasn't really practiced very much, if at all, in the last two weeks. Uh, and for a rookie this season to begin with, it was already going to be tough to, to get a ton of snaps. Uh, even if he's 100% healthy and has been able to practice every day. But, you know, missing that amount of time, my guess is he's going to end up being out of this uh, by the time everything's all said and done. He's really just a rotational piece then on the defensive line? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with with the addition of, of Wolf and uh, Calais Campbell, yeah. you know, Baltimore has its starting lineup set, so anyone else is going to be a, a, a rota- rotational guy. Uh, you know, he, he played pretty well in, in uh, throughout training camp, but – you know, Baltimore has been one over the years to really kind of chill out on those guys. Again, early in the season, especially, uh, they don't need them those rookies to kind of step up into into the starting lineup for the most part. Uh, so they tend to go ahead and bury them on the depth chart, give them a handful of snaps here and there, and let them earn more playing time. Sure. Um, so my guess is, yeah, you know, if we were to see anyone there, it's probably going to be uh, more Justin Ellis at defensive tackle. Uh, or, or Jihad Ward over at defensive end. Um, those are probably going to be your main rotational guys this week. Okay. All right. Now, there's been uh, a good amount of talk about the offensive line from Baltimore. Uh, Marshall Yonda, you know, legend, uh, retiring, right? Um, and uh, the right guard position specifically um, has been a topic of discussion. Is it so that your official depth chart on the website says DJ Fluker? Now I heard otherwise from somebody else. Is that what's your read on uh, the offensive <laughs> line here? Uh, none of us will really know for certain until everyone actually goes out there for the first play of the game. Uh, Baltimore did this really? last year at left guard. Yeah, they, they they whether it actually turns into anything, whether it's actually a, a positive or a benefit for them. It can be debated all day long, but Baltimore will absolutely play as coy as humanly possible with who their starting lineup is going to be 
everywhere, uh, including positions where you clearly know a guy is going to start. They're going to go, uh, maybe not. Maybe not. You don't know. You don't know what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> it's a certain amount of gamesmanship, of course. Yeah, but uh, yeah. my, my guess, Baltimore goes with the veteran guy. And really, it's between DJ Fluker, who's been in the league for quite a few years, has played at a high level, uh, and, and is certainly as motivated as ever this year, showed up 22 pound, or 22% body fat dropped from last year. So wow. an insane, insane body transformation. Keep in mind, he only lost 10 pounds. So all of that is added muscle in addition to it. But uh, it's him or a rookie in in Tyree Phillips. Baltimore almost always goes with the veteran option, including a few years ago when you had Orlando Brown Jr. at right tackle and you had a a guy who's not even on the team now uh, in James Hurst start in front of him despite Brown just blew his doors off throughout training camp, throughout preseason. He eventually ended up taking the starting spot due to injury and blew her stores off the rest of the season and hasn't looked back since. He's been the starter in there since. So, I mean, it's I'd put money on Fluker being the starter, but uh, Baltimore is going to ride that out as long as humanly possible to yeah. ensure that maybe they'll get a, a little bit of an edge on who's starting at right guard on the Cleveland Browns, like the Cleveland Browns don't probably already know. Yeah, no, I mean that game, that game, gamesmanship, as you said, is there. Certainly, the Browns, and this is kind of a silly one. Certainly, the Browns have yet to announce, uh, Matt, as you may know, who's going to call their plays um, on the offensive side of the ball. Will it be head coach uh, Kevin Stefanski or uh, their um, quarterbacks coach Van Pelt and Alex Van Pelt? And so, um, I don't know. I think it's probably going to be Stefanski in the end, but they've even switched around. Like they had certain days in camp where Van Pelt had the, you know, the walkie to the quarterback. And then, and during the dress rehearsal, you know, uh, Stefanski had the walkie to the quarterback. So so we don't know. So we don't know. Uh, I just kind of think that if you hire a guy to come in here, uh, because of you know his his offense that he brings and this and that that he should probably call the plays at least for the first year or you know until he feels comfortable handing it over. Now they seem to be in lockstep or whatever. Uh, he seems to have a good deal of trust in Alex Van Pelt. A lot of people feel that they that he should just hand it over to them and be do his job as like CEO type head coach. But I kind of feel the other way. But uh, I heard uh, Harbaugh say <laughs> he's like I don't really. Neither of them have much of a, uh, a history calling play, so it makes really no difference to him. So kind of silly gamesmanship yeah. there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. So uh, that's uh, but a little silliness on both sides there, but that's okay. That's what they do. Um, so that's interesting. Now, uh, I did a piece, I wrote a piece, and it's a uh, uh, yesterday, and it was up on, on, you know, of course, the Browns wire today. Uh, on slowing down Lamar Jackson. Now, you know, not much of a uh, a difficult piece to write, certainly, is, is there isn't much you can do to slow down Lamar Jackson. But um, I just used a few examples as the Titans, uh, you know, the first part of the article was about what the Titans did with their spy as they moved their spy around a lot, right? And, and certainly what the Titans did didn't have a lot to do with just that as he, uh, uh, Mike Vrabel threw a concoction of looks at, 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 uh, Lamar Jackson. But, uh, 
but they move their spy around from the defensive line, linebackers. I mean, all over the field the whole time. So you got it, but you got to spy Lamar Jackson a lot, right? And uh, give him that attention. And then uh, the second part was about what the Chargers did with seven defensive backs on the field, and I kind of talked about that. And there's some some literature and some numbers on that about you know the success rate of Ravens plays when there's seven defensive backs on the field, although. Nobody has really gone to that extreme since then to put that many defensive backs on the field, which is strange, actually, in a in such a copycat league, right? And then yeah. the third the third one was to make him throw outside the numbers, Lamar, um, where I think he's less effective and more prone to make mistakes. Now, if we know anything about Lamar Jackson, and I wrote this in the article, is that he lives for ball, and he probably is going to come back an even better passer than he was last year. And so trying to take the middle of the field away may be useless at this point because he may be throwing dimes out there to the outside. We, who knows, right? But yeah. this is what we know coming into the season. What would you say to those three topics and uh, that I laid out? And uh, in your experience, what have you seen that, that maybe slows him down a little bit or or that should be a good game plan to go up against Lamar Jackson if there is one? Well, you know, you, you mentioned a spy, and certainly in the games where, uh, you know, the, the defenses were able to slow Lamar Jackson and his offense down, uh, you know, they had a spy. But then again, the games where Lamar torched people for, for five touchdowns, put up a perfect passer rating, they also had a spy. So, yes. you know, it really comes down to how good is your spy? Uh, how fast is he? Because if Lamar Jackson gets out of the pocket and it's one-on-one with that spy, that spy better be able to make the open field tackle and yes. you know th- there are very few guys in this league that as proven last year that can do that so I, I i think all those things are great things you know certainly you want you want to throw a bunch of different things at lamar he's still a young quarterback you know baker's gone through a, quite a bit of this as well you know it, it takes years just to get used to everything that uh, the nfl will actually throw at you the the million different plays the million different formations the 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 gamesmanship the you know, look, we're going to blitz. Oh, no, we're not. Uh, those mm-hmm. things, it takes years to really develop that experience uh, and, and to be able to turn it into muscle memory. So throwing a lot at him is, is first and foremost. Mix it up. Make sure you confuse him. The other big thing, and the reality is, the games where Baltimore lost or the games where, where Baltimore struggled, they were close. They were mm-hmm. close games or they were getting beaten out, and it forced Lamar to carry the team on his back at times. And, you know, that's something I talked about all offseason, that Lamar had a tendency to do that uh, to to both his detriment and the positive last year. He made some throws that weren't great throws out of uh, both kind of, I, I don't want to say sheer terror, because that, that maybe adds a little too much emphasis to it, but out of just trying to make something happen. Yeah. Um, and he would throw it in a double or triple coverage, and you're like, oh, all right, even though that wasn't an interception, that was not a good throw. Yeah, uh, and a lot of that was outside of the numbers, certainly. But there were a few of them that happened inside the numbers too. So harass him if you can be physical with him, and and we saw it with Cam Newton throughout his career, uh, Michael Vick as well throughout his career. Hit hit him after the whistle. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. technically speaking, it's illegal. But the mm-hmm. refs are going to be a lot more hesitant to throw a flag uh, if you hit Lamar Jackson a half second after the whistle, as you will with Drew Brees or Tom Brady. Certainly. They know Lamar is is capable of running out of the pocket, so they know that there's, you know, you're not always going to be perfect on that stuff. So again, officials are are a little hesitant to throw flags in those instances, even when it's kind of obvious. So 
you know, hit him after the whistle, if I'm being honest. If I'm Cleveland, that's what I'm telling my guys to do. Um, <laughs> you know, rattle him a little bit. Get, yeah. get under, his, uh, under his chin strap. Make sure that he's looking where he can run, where he can escape to, rather than looking downfield. At the same time, you're going to need to go ahead and, and uh, give your safeties some help. And I know you, you, you have two new safeties, which is not great. No. Lamar Jackson, all offseason long, has been focusing on the deep ball. And that's something he really pegged uh, specifically in, in talks, uh, in press conferences this offseason, was that he worked on that. He thought it was going to be the next step of this offense was to really kind of hone in that, that deep ball and connect on a few shots that they missed last year. That means he's got, he's probably gotten better throwing outside the numbers, but it also means Marquise Brown, who is ridiculously fast, and he was ridiculously fast last year with a yeah. hurt foot that had a screw in it. Now he's bigger, now he's stronger, and he's faster than he was last year. Look for that connection all day long, especially against some inexperienced or at least new safeties for Cleveland. That's mm-hmm. If I'm Baltimore, that's where I'm going. So yeah. y- you're really going to want to make sure that, that uh, deep down the field is going to be well-protected um, which then opens you up for the run game. So it's it's tough uh, to, to defend Lamar Jackson in this offense because they have so many things they do so well. Um, you have to be so wary of, of every part of the field. Yeah. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head with a lot of those things. You want to mix it up. You want to harass him. Uh, and, and if at all possible, get an early lead. Force him yeah. to keep up with you versus the other way around. It's a great point. And it's, it, uh, you know, if you can get a lead on him, it certainly does – uh, play to your strength, make him, as you said, uh, not desperate, but feel like he needs to make a play when certainly there are times that maybe he doesn't. So um, I agree. That's a that's a great point. And uh, I'm sure that he has improved uh, throwing the deep ball, and that is where you need to attack. I mean, they. Just, I don't know if the Browns are going to start him, uh, Ronnie Harrison, they brought in a uh, safety from the Jaguars for a fifth round pick to kind of fill that Delpit role. But um, I don't think I know if they're going to start him or if it'll be Sandejo and Carl Joseph back there. But I expect them to have three safeties on the field a lot of the time just because of their lack of uh, talented linebacker anyway. So, um, you know, either way, I expect those three guys to be on the field a lot. So. Uh, you're absolutely right. Is That is a place that uh, they should attack, too. Um, let's talk about another safety who's no longer in uh, Baltimore. Uh, Earl Thomas, who I've kind of thought was an idiot since this offseason, and I read the story about his wife and all that craziness with his brother, and I thought that was a really bizarre story, uh, you know, for different aspects. We don't have to get into the details of it, but the... What she discovered with him and his brother was a little odd, but uh, anyways, um, what? But Earl uh, is gone now because we know the Ravens—they don't put up with that crap, right? Uh, yeah. The is was made to be out some kind of a, a fight between uh, him and uh, uh, his name slips my mind right now. Chuck Clark. Uh, yeah, Chuck Clark. There it is, uh, and uh, so. Him and Clark, and uh, but it seems like it, this was something that was building over some time. Is that correct? It is. I mean, the the 
reports around that uh, incident with his his wife and and all that stuff, you know, really the thing that stuck out was more that he didn't tell the Ravens about it. And again, yeah. if we go by the reports, and that's all we can go by, because Earl was was certainly quiet about it. The Ravens were quiet about it. Everyone kind of hushed, real quiet about it uh, immediately after it happens. But you know, Earl was supposedly, reportedly, allegedly. Uh, you know, held either at knife point or gunpoint by his his wife. Yes, and the cops were called. It was a giant thing, and you don't tell your employer that. Hey, we're probably going to be on the news at some point. It's yeah. there's no way it's not going to come out. Somebody was arrested. It's going to come out. That really irked the Ravens. Um, certainly after their issue with Ray Rice all those years ago. Granted, different situation entirely, but Baltimore likes to get ahead of that stuff as is every team in the NFL. So Certainly. him kind of playing that lone wolf, it's nobody's business but my own, did not make them happy. And then you had other reports that you know he was missing practices or showing up late to practices or he wasn't prepared when he got on the field. Uh, you know, team meetings, he was just kind of chilling out through and not really focusing. He was late the, to practice because he washed his car? <laughs> yes, yes. That that was one Terrific, of the reports that came girl. out. and that's Way to go, guy. Exactly. And, and if... You know, look, you might be able to get away with that in, in some other franchises. Baltimore, that's a ticket out of here. And, and certainly, yeah. you know, the, the Ravens ate some money to make that happen. So you know it was bad. Uh, granted, they're, they're going to try to win some of that back through through grievances and whatnot. But, you know, yeah, if, if you're getting rid of a Pro Bowl player who you owe money to, uh, mm-hmm. and when you're already tied up against the cap, you pissed off the wrong people is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. His name was thrown about probably everywhere in the league, right? Uh, kicking yeah. tires, and as soon as they brought him up, I got asked to go on a couple different shows, and they it was right after all that happened, and they were like, and Delpit had gotten hurt at the same time, and they're like, hey, he fits your scheme and everything, right? You know, <laughs> with yeah. Joe Woods, and I'm like, I not we do not have the infrastructure to do that with him. I mean, let's look at the two organizations that couldn't handle him. Well, you know. The yeah. Seahawks and the Ravens, who are like the epitome of a good organization in the NFL, I don't think the Browns are ready for Earl Thomas. So um, that's, that's exactly how I thought on that. Yeah, um, his replacement, Deshaun Elliott, third year guy. He's only played like six snaps. He's six one, two ten from Texas. He was a sixth round pick. What what's up with him? Well, I mean, you nailed it right on the head. He's been in the league for two years. He's played a grand total of in six games. Uh, he's ended up on injured reserve both seasons. Now, that being said, is if healthy, when healthy, uh, I, I've called him this since he was drafted. The guy's a heat-seeking missile. I mean, okay. he, he's not he's not Earl Thomas from a coverage standpoint, but if you come across the middle, he will ensure the next time that guy comes across the middle, he's looking where, where Elliot's at every single time almost to his detriment at times. I, I, I would expect a flag um, from just one really good shot that is, it's close, but uh, <laughs> he makes sure somebody pays for coming over the middle against him. Yeah. Um, any, any stat against the run. And, and really, if you're talking about Earl Thomas and replacing him, you know, the last image in every Ravens fan's mind from Earl Thomas is him getting, just turning it, turning into a lead blocker for for Derrick uh, Henry in the uh, in the playoffs, yeah. and just missing tackles on on Nick Chubb. I I wrote a scathing piece about Earl Thomas after that uh, after that game. Up on that one, yeah. So yeah, you, you kind of got the polar opposite in a guy that is 
way too happy to stick his helmet <laughs> into somebody's chest. Um, uh, Baltimore, it's, it's going to be interesting how they use him and how they maybe cycle around him and, and kind of rotate some other guys in because they've got some other maybe better free safety uh, players in there. But okay. certainly if you want a guy to, to lay the boom and, and you know, develop into that role, Deshaun Elliott, I think, is the guy that uh, they hope will turn into a Chuck Clark, a guy who's a really smart player, uh, who is well-respected in the locker room, has the speed, has the agility, has the range to do those things, uh, but for right now is is just a thumper. You tell him to go get the ball, and he's going to make that happen. Interesting. Uh, were you surprised that they didn't – they had – they had their uh, former safety was on the street when all this happened. Uh, what's his name? Tony Jefferson, yeah. Tony Jefferson. Are you surprised they didn't go get Tony Jefferson? I mean, he he played there for a while, didn't he? You know, I, I'm a little shocked they didn't uh, they didn't check out Tony Jefferson or at least bring him in for for a tryout or a view to see how his injury is. Uh, he also ended up on injured reserve last season with a knee injury. So, you know, the fact that he hasn't been signed at this point maybe points to why not him yeah. not being entirely healthy yet. Uh, so maybe that's it. But I also, you know. Brandon Carr, who who the Dallas Cowboys brought back, put him on the practice squad. Granted, not the greatest player at this point in his career, but he knows the scheme. He played a lot of safety for them last year. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I kind of expected them to inquire about, maybe bring back. Uh, Barry on the depth chart, but you know you have some insurance policy there. You know you can rotate him in, and you know he's going to be able to get up to speed quickly. I'm kind of shocked. It Really, Baltimore is going into this going – if you kind of listen to what they're saying, we're kind of happy Earl Thomas is gone. We wanted to go with Deshaun Elliott all along, but we didn't have an excuse to. But this lets us do it, yeah. Exactly. It, it, whether that's true or whether it's them saying, you know, you don't know who we're going to start at right guard, who knows? Um, I, we'll, we'll find out week one. If he gets blown up and, and uh, allows the Giants catch, maybe they start poking around Tony Jefferson a little bit more. Uh, yeah. But if he destroys uh, – uh, um, Austin Hooper, uh, you know, on a seam route and uh, makes a big play that way, then certainly Baltimore is going to play up like they knew this was the case all along. Yeah, you know, you got a guy on your roster. He's in his third year. He he's played limited amount of time, um, but you're serious about him. It's time to put him on the field, kind of in the NFL. That's yeah. just kind of the way it is. You kind of got to know what you what you have there, right? So. I can see how they would want to do that um, if they have, you know, uh, high hopes for him, certainly. You're listening to Matthew Stevens on All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, He's visiting here with us tonight from uh, USA Today Sports Media Group's The Ravens Wire, where he is the managing editor as we get ready for uh, this uh, matchup of week one. The NFL's back, baby. Uh, Tomorrow night, uh, the... uh, who you got tomorrow night in the uh, KC Texans game? I mean, KC. Let, let's be real there. You, you trade at your best wide receiver, yeah. uh, arguably your top player at this point uh, in everyone's career. Uh, uh, didn't really replace him all that well. And as great as Deshaun uh, Watson has been, um, he's, he's not Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, that yeah, KC for sure. Texans do a lot of weird things. It's a bit of a stooge over there but we'll we'll see see what happens uh with them uh but yeah i i think uh it's a fun it's a fun little matchup though you know you get you get watson you get mahomes you get football back 
there'll be fans in the stands, I believe, in Kansas City. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, two more. I got two more questions for you, okay? And you've been yeah. uh, very gracious with your time here, Matt. Uh, as uh, I know, I've had a number of probably kept you way too long here, but thank you. <laughs> no, you're um, good. All right. So Ingram, Gus Edwards. You know, Lamar Jackson, the most dynamic running, and then they go get J.K. Dobbins. Uh, who's going to get the – I mean, who's going to get the <laughs> ball? Is J.K. Dobbins going to be involved early on in this offense, do you think? I, I do. I mean, he did so well throughout training camp. But, you know, this, again, is a team that will play their veteran guy despite the, the rookie or the young guy – being clearly better. And you know, that's not necessarily the case here with Ingram being a, a, a more than serviceable starter last season for Baltimore, yeah. did exceptional things. Um, but J.K. Dobbins, man, looks like the real deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and certainly Baltimore had a first-round grade on him. They got him in the second round, so they were thrilled to have that. Uh, and, and he's come along very, very nicely. Uh, but I've said it all along, running backs aren't great coming into the NFL at catching the football out of the backfield uh, Mm. and blocking. Um, And those are the two things. If you want to play in Baltimore, you better do those two things and you better do them really, really well, which is why they brought in Ingram to begin with stout blocker. He's uh, adept at catching the football out of the backfield, making some plays that way. But Dobbins impressed throughout training camp. So, you know, coach John Harbaugh did mention that Dobbins is going to have a quote unquote significant role. Um, Again, as we, as as I've kind of mentioned a few times here, you know that that could just be smoke, that could just be mirrors, that yeah. could be just talk. Um, but at the same time, his play throughout the the training throughout training camp kind of indicates that maybe that really is going to be the cl- the case. I expected Dobbins to kind of take over as the season wore on, but he might get closer to a fifty fifty snap share uh, with, with Ingram, or at least a carry count with Ingram, uh, more so than I expected him to in week one. I think a lot of it might be just also they're going to go with the hot hand. If Ingram is yeah. busting off six yards of carry, why why are you going to pull him out? Um, right. Or they're going to rotate guys in as as necessary on a game by game basis based on the matchups because they've got you know J.K. Dobbins is maybe a little bit more of an outside guy. He can run inside. He's got the the, the power for it, uh, but he's got the speed as well. Whereas Gus Edwards and and Mark Ingram those power backs that you can really go ahead and just bludgeon a defensive line with. Uh, so it, it might just be matchup based. I mean, maybe we'll see nothing but JK Dobbins in this game. Uh, it, it's all kind of up in the air with Baltimore because they're so coy about things when it comes to that. They're so hush hush about that stuff. Um, but I, I, if I'm betting on this, if I'm kind of uh, what I expect to happen, I would expect that, that Ingram maybe gets 60% of the, the, the carries uh, and it's you know Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins maybe split the other forty percent, okay. uh, in an effort to just just ease Dobbins into the role initially. Let your veteran guy go ahead and, and protect the football, which you're going to need to do against this tough uh, uh, the stout Browns uh, front seven, or at least defensive line. Um, front four, it, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be real interesting to see how they kind of rotate those guys in because up until a cut day. I I did not think they were keeping four running backs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dobbins just strikes me as, you know, you've got Ingram and you've got Gus Edwards, which is, they're just such powerful pounding 
backs, and Dobbins just he can do that too, but he's got that home run hitter uh, in him a little bit too, um, more than those guys do, I think. So he's a nice little, uh, certainly a nice addition to that backfield, and probably the successor, right, uh, in the long long term. Yeah, yeah, I. I I've likened it to, you know, Jamal Lewis taking over for Priest Holmes in 2000. Priest Holmes started the season as the starter. Uh, but by midseason, it was pretty clear that, that Jamal Lewis was the guy moving forward. That offseason, they let Priest Holmes go, uh, and they installed Jamal Lewis as, as the starter from there on out, and kind of just he took over. So um, I, I think that's what they're hoping for in this case, because Mark Ingram, you can go ahead and cut him next offseason, yeah. save some calorie, sa- uh, calorie space which is going to be huge next offseason especially. So I think that's what they'd like to have happen if at all possible. But um, I think their their biggest focus right now is going into the playoffs with more than one running back healthy. That bit them last year, uh, and I doubt they want to have the same thing happen again. Yeah, interesting. Uh, all right, so last question for you. You've been fantastic here tonight, Matt. Um, biggest concern uh, as a Ravens fan or uh, a Ravens uh, insider like yourself going into this game? I, you know, I'm, I'm really concerned about how explosive the Browns offense can be. If everything's hitting on the right cylinder, Chubb's breaking some tackles, he's busting some long runs, those things just – Baltimore does not do well if a team starts kind of beating up on them a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. They never really have, if we're being honest. So yeah. if, if Cleveland starts getting out to a, a strong start, they start putting up some points and Baltimore maybe struggles a little bit, this game could get sloppy real, real fast for the, from the Ravens' standpoint. At the same time, you know that, that's, that's a huge ask of Cleveland with a new head coach, with a bunch of new moving parts, with very little time. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting matchup that I think could, could easily swing either direction heavily in a direction. Um, but it's really all going to come. I think really the first quarter is going to dictate what the rest of this game looks like. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a very good, uh, um, assumption there that the first quarter will be very telling for this game. Certainly. I think that if it gets really sloppy and it get you know they muck it up. I think that goes the Ravens' way big time. You know, um, so uh, I think a, just a messy game probably ends up being really messy for the Browns in the long term uh, because there's just things that the Ravens can have been through as a team and can go to that the Browns can't really lean on. You know, in, in exactly. that kind of a game. So it'll be interesting to see and. Uh, uh, Browns got a quick turnaround. They got to go play third or third. They get Thursday night football right away in week two against the the Bengals. So that'll be interesting. Uh, so, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. You were fantastic, uh, Matt, and uh, I'd love to have you on again later on in the season if you're down with that. Absolutely. Again, ha- have me on whenever you guys want. Uh, it's always a blast to do. Perfect. You were uh, fantastic. Matthew Stevens, you can follow him on Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL. He's the managing editor of USA Today Sports Media Group, the Ravens Wire. Any final words for us, Matt? Uh, Other than go Ravens? uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done. Uh, Thank you very much, and and, uh, we'll be in touch. Absolutely. Thank you.
There it was. Excellent job by Matthew Stevens. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL. He's the managing editor at USA Today Sports Media Group's The Ravens Wire.com. So, uh, good stuff there. Inside track on everything Ravens as we prep you for week one here on All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. He is jacked. We're all excited in here tonight. It's electric. And you start getting excited. Week one, just around the corner. Football kicks off tomorrow night when the defending champions take on the Houston Texans. Uh, and Deshaun Watson. So that'll be fun to watch for sure. Can't wait. Can't wait. Let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, a couple things here before we get you out of here. I hope you enjoyed the interview once again. Um, The surprising aspect of this week, Kareem Hunt inked to a deal, a two-year extension worth $13.25 million, $8.5 guaranteed. Shocking. I was surprised I didn't see it coming. I I guess I didn't know that it was in the works, but uh, and um, very, very good stuff for the Browns. A smart move, very team-friendly deal. They get three more years of Chubb. They got two more or three more years of Hunt. Pardon me, two more years of Chubb. They like each other very much. Have a great working relationship. Uh, Hunt has been able to keep his nose clean, um, and uh, you know, uh, becoming a uh, good, uh, healthy part of society here in the past year or so. So since his couple little you know run-ins, but. Um, and and the uh, Browns staff felt comfortable giving him this deal. Now, what that means for Nick Chubb is the ultimate question, right? So do they want to give him an extension? I think they do. I think that when we get – if he does what Nick Chubb does and we expect him to see him do this year um, – I think that you will see the Browns offer him a deal this offseason in the range of what Joe Mixon just got. Nothing crazy, nothing Todd Gurley-esque, but manageable with, and you get a little out. You know, if you write, make these deals with the right amount of guaranteed money that's at the beginning of the contract and you get an out after like two years, you really put yourself in an okay position with the running back um, if he does fall off or suffers an injury because we know the shelf life isn't long on these guys, then you can get out of that contract after two years if you need to. Um, So that would be ideal for the Browns, I think. You know, because Hunt's deal is what it is, only 8.5 guaranteed for two years, I, I think that you set yourself up to be able to do both, really. Um, Now, it does kind of give the Browns a little leverage, too. If Nick Chubb wants to stay here, he's happy here, uh, you're also taking a lot of the workload off him. It could extend his career. Um, Maybe he gets another payday. 
These are things that you can pitch to him with Hunt being there and also at the same time say, hey, if you're going to ask for X amount of money, look, we got we got Kareem Hunt. We don't really need you too. So there's a couple aspects to this, some layers to this. As we talked with Doug Lady Maurice about last week, there's a lot of layers to this running back situation. So something to keep an eye on. I think a smart move by the organization, though. Uh. Will Ronnie Harrison, how much do we expect Ronnie Harrison to play in this game? I expect him to play a good deal. I think that they have full court press uh, him into action. Uh, I don't know if he'll start over Uncle Drew Sandejo, but uh, I think that he'll be on the field a lot. I think you need him on the field a lot against this team. Um. I think they're going to play with three safeties a lot, and and, and he's the guy that, that makes that third safety or even uh, if you move Joseph up into the box more. But I, I think Harrison can cover. He can kind of do it all. Um, I like his pickup, and, and I think that uh, he's going to get forced into action here in week one. The worry here for me when we talk about injuries is, okay, so injury report, right, Today, the only guys that weren't on the practice field were Greedy, Kevin Johnson, and Mac Wilson. We know Kevin Johnson's out. We know Mac Wilson's out. Greedy, we don't know. But that means that Treader played or practiced, which I would assume means he's going to play week one. That's just that's just who he is. Uh, we've seen him play through injuries before. I fully expect him to play. That means MJ Stewart practiced. So that's that's good for that slot position, even though I think that at times that can be trouble with him on the field. He's really all you got there. I don't want to see Tavier Thomas have to play defense. Really. That's problematic for the Browns if Tavier Thomas is not just on special teams and is actually guarding and, and and defending, that's a problem. So he should not be on the field on the defensive side of the ball. That's not why he's on this team. Uh, I don't think he's ever really done it in very limited capacity. Don't want to see him forced into action. So getting greedy back would be huge, but... Uh, you know, you you know at that point, if Greedy doesn't play, you're okay because you got Money Mitch, you got Denzel, and then you got MJ inside, and then you've got um, you've got some practice squad players. I wish Donovan Alumba would have ended up on the practice squad. I would feel much better about that than like Robert Jackson for say, who Odell made fall on his ass last year in practice. Uh, but either way, and then they do have. Uh, A.J. Green on the practice squad as well. But um, I think you're okay if if Greedy doesn't play because Money Mitch is a gamer and he'll be out there and he'll do his, his thing. He, For me, he's just as good as Greedy at this point, if not better at times. Uh, Greedy is a long-term solution there, but if he doesn't have to play, that's fi- I'm totally fine with that. I, the problem is I worry about MJ Stewart in the slot a little bit, but you may see Harrison come up and, and play that uh, position um, some. 
you may see that get moved around. So we'll see. We'll see. We're going to learn a lot about schematically what they want to do. Are they going to be in this cover three, the Seattle cover three that that they brought over from San Francisco? Certainly, I think we'll see some of that. Um, but I think against this team, you're going to see them also in some man to man too. And and they, you know, we know they're going to run some press, some press bail. A lot of stuff that you know in the past we've seen where teams, you know, we saw Greedy give and Doug Lay Maurice talked about this. He just gives so much cushion to guys. Um, he at times he would just get beat last year, so I I expect that press, you know, them changing that press coverage will help a little bit um, against the Ravens, especially. So. Uh, that's that. That's the injury report. That's what we're looking at. The only real question mark at this point for me is greedy, and I think you can cover that with with money, Mitch. So I think they're good on that front. Uh, who's calling the game? Charles Davis, Evan Washburn, Ian Eagle. I believe that is the CBS's second best crew. So that'll be cool. Uh, I Browns fans are used to Ian Eagle. I mean, I feel like he's called, like, every Browns game ever sometimes. So, I mean, I'm not that high on it, but it's okay. I can live with it. It could be much worse, in my opinion. Um, let's talk about Odell Beckham real quickly. So, this ridiculous... First of all, let me just start this off with by saying that I think that Barstool Sports is complete trash, okay? Uh, there's a... a uh, podcast called Thoughts Next Door. Thought is stands for, in case you don't know, and I, I never would speak derogatory to, about women or anything like that, but Thought stands for that hoe over there. Thoughts Next Door has some woman named Slim Danger, is her name. She's the baby mama of Chief Keefe who is a rapper uh, from the south side of Chicago. Uh, She purposely had his child, is the story. Uh, Either way, she comes on as a guest on this thing, and somehow she starts talking about Odell Beckham Jr. and gets into some pretty derogatory things that basically Odell liked fetish-wise. Uh, Odell made a joke of it. He has a girlfriend. She made a joke of it. No big deal. But this then was spread all over the internet by Barstool Sports. Like, they call themselves a publication. Like, what kind of crap is that? That you take a story like this and actually print it and publish it? Like, she could have said whatever she wanted. Who is this person? Nobody knows who this person is. She's not famous for anything. She doesn't have any credibility to go on a podcast and say something that, that you then run with as news. She could have said whatever the hell she wanted. Clearly, she just did. I don't believe a word she says. But she went on the show, did that, and that's what, that's what started this whole thing. I mean, I could go on a show and, and say, oh, yeah, I saw, uh, you know, XX NBA player uh, down the street in Cleveland, you know, having sex with a fern, a tree. He, he has sex with trees. Oh, really? Wow, that's true. That must be true. Barstool Sports takes it, runs with it. You know, 
tree fucker, you know, XXX across the, you know, the front page, Barstool Sports. They publish everything. They'll publish anything. It's absolutely ridiculous, and it's totally insane that that they can just let someone say whatever the hell they want, and they'll run with it and publish it like it's fact. I'm I'm sorry about the language, but, I mean, totally asinine stuff there. That's my thoughts on that. Uh, So, back to the game. Let's get to my picks for week one. Let's do this, Mikey. Mikey, uh, why don't you get some uh, music fired up here for us for the uh, week one NFL picks. Uh, You know, I started doing this with a guy that has a YouTube show. Uh, They're Fire and Brimstone. They're awesome. They do a YouTube show. You can go check it out. But uh, they, you know, that's what they do is weekly picks. They They take my weekly picks and throw them on there. I don't. So before I before I tell you this, I don't uh, consider myself some prognosticator or betting, uh, you know, guru. This is just my picks for week one. We're just gonna we're just gonna go through it here. So because uh, it, it's it's fun and uh, the what the Toronto Boston game. Toronto hanging on by a thread here in overtime. It's hard to concentrate right now this game it's pretty intense uh anyways so let's let's go through picks week one uh mikey uh fire fire up some music uh for me can you do that mikey come on guy okay we can do that we can do that Week one, Thursday night football. We'll do this rather quickly here. Texans at Chiefs. I'm taking the Texans plus nine. We go to Sunday where we have the Seahawks at Atlanta. Uh, The Seahawks are a uh, laying a point minus one. I have the Seahawks minus one. Uh, In the uh, uh, Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions, the Lions are uh, minus three favorites. I have the Lions in minus three. Uh, Packers and Minnesota. Uh, the Packers uh, plus two and a half is what I have there, uh, as they are uh, the underdogs in that game at Minnesota. The Miami Dolphins versus the Cam Newton-led. New England Patriots. I have the Patriots minus six and a half. Uh, the Raiders going to Carolina. Raiders are three point favorites. I've got the Panthers plus three. The Bills. You know what's interesting about this is usually Vegas. You, Vegas is good for a three point swing for the home field advantage. I wonder how they did these these numbers this way. I thought about this when I was making these picks, but. I wonder what they accounted. I mean, you can't account for home field advantage in a lot of these. There's not going to be any fans at the games. It's an interesting aspect that I hadn't really counted for. The New York Jets will be taking on the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are six and a half point favorites. I've got them uh, covering. Cover! Minus 6.5 for the Bills. 
the Eagles and the Washington football team. The Eagles are uh, going to Washington, but they are still six and a half point favorites. I've got them covering. Cover! And then we've got the Browns at the uh, Ravens. Uh, Ravens getting, uh, or minus uh, seven and a half. I've got the Browns, of course, plus 7.5. There's no way they're losing by that much. Um, the Colts are going to the uh, wayward Jacksonville uh, Jaguar Football Club and uh, in a fire sale of sorts. Uh, that the Browns actually took advantage of. So uh, I actually have the Colts uh, to cover the 7.5 there as well. Cover! Uh, The Chargers, uh, I've got them covering the 3.5 at Cincinnati. Uh, I've got the uh, Chargers. I just did that, Mikey. Come on, goddammit. Uh, I got uh, four o'clock games we're into now. It's the four o'clock game started with the Chargers at Cincinnati hosting a four o'clock game. Weird. Um, I thought they were allowed to have fans, but I heard they weren't going to have any fans. Strange. Uh, I thought we were. I thought they said that both the Browns and they were both allowed six thousand fans. I don't know. I heard they weren't going to have any fans. Uh, why would they not take advantage of that, Mikey? I don't know. Um. The Buccaneers, led by Tom Brady, uh, are going to the New Orleans Saints. And uh, the Saints are three and a half point favorites. I have... uh, Hold on. There you go. Good job. Good job, Mikey. Um, I have the... uh, where did I skip that game? Son of a! I gotta write them. I skipped that game. I, I'm taking the Bucks to to cover the three or not cover uh, plus three and a half. There, I missed that game. I gotta gotta tell them. Write it down, Mikey. I gotta tell them before the game start. How did I miss that? The Cardinals against the uh, NFC champions. San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are uh, seven-point favorites. I've got the Cardinals plus seven there uh, in a uh, closer game than I think most people think it will be. Then we get to nighttime football, which everybody loves. Sunday night football, the uh, Cowboys at the Los Angeles Rams. Cowboys... Uh, minus three. I've got the Rams plus three. Um, the Steel, the Filthy Steelers taking on the uh, New York Football Giants in the Meadowlands with no fans. The Steelers are uh, five and a half point favorites. I'll take them to cover. Cover. And then uh, finally the. Uh, Titans minus one at Denver, and I've got the Titans minus one. Write it down. We gotta let Fire and Brimstone know, Mikey, that I want the Bucks plus three and a half. There it is. There's my picks. I don't care if you like them or not. Go ahead and kill that.
So we're going to get you up and out of here, though. I hope you enjoyed the show here. Week one, excitement is just just running through my veins. This game has gone into double overtime now as the uh, in the NBA. So uh, the Toronto Raptors fighting for their playoff lives here. Uh, so that's interesting. That should make for quite a... Uh, a skewed point amount in the daily fantasy sport sporting events that I have wagered on tonight. Jason Tatum putting up a huge figure, I'm sure. 70 or 80 fantasy points. Yikes. Uh, but yeah, so um, as far as this game goes, let's talk about this game. I agree. Matt, Matt made some good points. If the Browns can hit big plays... They can say in this game. And I heard my guy Nathan Zagura say this too. I think if the Browns want to win this game, it's a higher scoring game. I think they probably need to score 35 points if they want to win this game because uh, I know that, not that I think the defense is going to be terrible or anything like that this year, but it's going to be a tough time this week. But I do think that there are some weaknesses on that defense that the Browns can exploit with their talent They've got big playability. If they stay with the run, work the play action, some shot plays work out, I think they can stay in this game and they can get a shocking victory. It would shock the world, surely. Um, And that's what I'm hoping for as we go towards Sunday, week one. We got a quick turnaround. We got the Bengals uh, at home in the home opener on Thursday night football next week, a week from tomorrow. So short week and everything. But it's uh, all Ravens, all Browns right now. Get your mind right, people. Uh, be good good fans, good Cleveland fans. You stay positive. You stay, t- stay together. You stay behind this team. We're going to do it. I got a good feeling about things this year, despite all the nonsense surrounding the uh, beginning of this NFL season. We're going to get you up and out of here tonight, and I appreciate everybody that has uh, left those reviews. Keep them coming. Uh, like I said, if you like it, if you don't, if you get there's things that you want me to change about the show, just let me know on the reviews at alleyesoncleveland.com. You can find all of our shows where all popular podcasts are found. Great interview tonight from Matthew Stevens prepping us for the Ravens. Game week, baby. It's finally here. Knocking down the door. Here we come. You start getting excited. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey on the ones and twos. I am Brad Ward. We are out. Yes, sir!